2: Hey all you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens, welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series.
3: We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods, we will cover it all.
2: There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad.
3: Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about all things Dragon Age. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup.
2: And I'm Shelby, or She-Cup.
3: And we are here for a very special episode of the Dragon Age Lorecast. So we are joined here by Cloudy Atlas. Hey, Cloudy.
0: Hello, how are you guys?
3: And so as some of you are aware, a couple weeks ago, we released a survey on some choices that you make in the Dragon Age universe across all games. And we are here to talk about that survey.
2: Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, Cloudy helped us create this survey and we're just super excited to talk about the um, responses and all of the different interesting choices y'all made for your canon playthroughs. But first, I want to say that um, we had over 1,100 responses on this survey, which is just astounding, completely blew me away. I I was going to be happy if we had 500. So to get double, more than double 500, my original expectations is amazing. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who took this survey, who um, shared it, who commented, who helped boost us in the algorithm, Um, all of our community members who helped us in this. We're we're so thankful for all of you. All
3: right. Well, so to just kind of preface how this is going to go, we're going to talk about some key points that we want to bring from the survey. We're not going to be going question by question and showing everything of a result. Um, We're going to be more talking about trends and the way the data reflects one another. So if you do want the results for the entire survey, I don't know, are we posting that
2: we'll post it, we'll post it. Okay,
3: we will post it in (laughs) somewhere, probably the discord and on our Twitter. So you can see the if you're interested in the results of each questions and how they break down, you can look there. But we're going to be talking more about big things overarching things and how the questions interact and relate to each other.
2: And also ramifications for the next game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Are we ready to dig in? We are. Okay. So first, let's talk about race and origins. Um, I think this is probably one of the biggest questions. Definitely the question that I... One of the questions I'm most interested in. So for origins, the first question is, what origin did you choose for your canon playthrough in Dragon Age Origins? So... We had um, a, a pretty good mix, Everyth- well, not everything, but most most of um, the origins were over 10%, so 37.5% chose to play as a human noble, 14.9% chose to play as an elf mage, 14.5% chose to play as a Dalish elf. 12.9 chose percent chose to play as a city elf um, 11.3% chose to play as a human mage and the dwarf total is 8.9%. And they're, they're pretty close to half and half, um, for both of the Dwarven origins. So that is the makeup of the origin choices in Dragon Age origins. So what do we think about this one? What are thoughts y'all had?
3: I have a very simple theory for the dwarf and why it's so low. And I 100% believe that it's because the dwarf cannot use magic. Human and elf mage make up well over half. So mage makes up well over half of the origin.
2: I also have a theory as to why um, dwarves are underrepresented in origins. And I think it's because the human noble is overrepresented um, because it, the human noble is the, the good ending with Alistair's romance, which we'll get into more later. Um, but I think that that's very overrepresented, especially when we compare to the Inquisition um, origins, which we'll do in a few minutes. Um, but 37.5%, which is the largest percentage by about, uh 23 percent um that's that's really that's a big a big leap compared um so i
3: will say that i did not pick dwarf i picked human noble because i played it when i was like 15 and i was basic um sure. i mean yeah. but i did not pick dwarf because i didn't like how they looked
0: see i thought i was basic i picked uh an elf mage like I thought that was the most basic thing because I played a lot of like EverQuest as a kid. And I was like, I just want to continue on that vein. And I'm honestly surprised the elf isn't, it's pretty even, it's 41.8 point like versus 48.8% for humans, or elves versus humans. So it's pretty even, but I really thought elves would be the winner again. Uh, they were initially in the survey and then they, the humans just took the lead. And I talked to somebody and I was like, why did you pick human? And she said she was so overwhelmed by the number of choices. She's like, this is a safe option. That's right. why she picked it.
2: Yeah, I think that makes sense too. I also think, I think we're thinking of canon playthrough, like that changes um, versus like first playthrough or whatever. Some people's canon is their first and some people it's not. It's not for me, that's for sure. Because I messed up my first playthrough majorly. So I think if if it was automatically like, oh, it's just just your first playthrough, I think human maybe even have would have been more overrepresented than it is currently. Um, I don't know. That's just speculation on my end. Let's move on to Inquisition, though, um, because I think we have some really interesting thoughts um, being able to look at both origin choices from Origins and Inquisition. So for Inquisition, what race did you play as? And 58.7% of people played as an elf in Inquisition for their canon playthrough compared to 29.3% played as a human 8.3% played as a canary and 3.7% played as a dwarf. So I know, Cloudy, I know you had a lot of thoughts on this one.
0: Yeah. So this is where being an elf, I was right. A lot of people really enjoy playing as them. And I averaged it across the two games. So it's about 50% of people choose to be an elf across the two of the games. And it's, they are fun to play. I'm not going to lie, but like Maybe next time play a dwarf or maybe play a kunari. like really branch out this time instead of playing a female elf for the fifth time in a row. I mean, it's a good story, I guess.
2: I do feel a little called out.
0: Yeah. So I think why people are really popular with the elf uh, Inquisitor in this one is it kind of ties back into what you said about Alistair's you need to be a human noble to get that happy ending. And I think it ties into to even be in a relationship with Solas. If you choose to romance him in Inquisition, you have to be a female elf. There are no other options. And I think some people pick it just based on the story or the lore implications, or they just really like that romance. And I think this is adding a bias to these
2: results. I agree. I also feel like, I also feel like, inquisition is an elf centric game especially with trespasser content so it to me it, it just feels right to play as an elf I've, I've played as all um four options in inquisition but to me the elf playthrough is just what feels the most right um and i think a lot of that is because of the story tie-ins with um, Mythal, with um you know the ancient elves with all of it um it just is what feels the most right to me i don't know
3: I think with an elf, trespasser even makes more sense for like, even the behavior of the other countries in the exalted council makes more sense when you are an elven inquisitor. Because if you're like a human noble, which you are all from the free marches, so you're neither from Orle or Ferelden, but having this elf inquisitor who, if you've played the um, Jaws of in DLC has now revealed that the first inquisitor was also an elf. You are challenging the status quo in a lot of ways that will pro- that will greatly upset the Orlesian nobility and probably some of the Ferelden nobility, but a little less.
2: I think that's also true for a Kunari, though.
1: Yeah.
2: I think it's less true for a dwarf. And then obviously the human is the human. um but cloudy you wrote in the notes about the dwarves and so i think we should spend um some time talking about the dwarves and the underrepresentation of choosing them as an option
0: yeah they also came in at a very low percentage for this one even less so than origins and it just kind of surprised me because it's like they are very interesting like they have so much lore behind them especially if you play like the descent dlc that's a really good one to play as a dwarven inquisitor and it just kind of surprised me it's like with how much effort went into building all four of these uh, like races for this game I'm wondering if they'll almost include them as an option in the next one because of the lift and the load and like all of the voice recording and like there's a height difference for that one and it can really change things so I'm wondering I don't know a lot about Tevinter Minrathos, so I don't know if I'm just shooting from the hip but just based on like statistics that would be what I would be guessing.
2: Hmm. I agree with you. I think if they are going to cut out a race option, it will be the dwarven race for dreadwolf specifically. And the reason why I think that is because I don't think, I don't think it would be fitting to the lore if they cut out um, the Canari because the Canari are so much more prevalent in Taventer, and so I feel like that. Doesn't make sense. And along with there's a lot of Cunari content as well in into Venture Nights. So to me, I feel like they wouldn't cut out the CUNARI just because of all of that. Um, so yeah, if they were going to cut one out, I I would suppose it would be the dwarves. However, to me, I still I think that would be a mistake. Um, and I guess I feel that way because. There is so much on social media um, about people basically simping for the dwarves. Um, The number one, I think the number one romance that people wanted to have in Inquisition outside of Varric is Lace Harding. And both of those people are dwarves, right? So I feel like that's a big deal. But to me, I guess the survey responses suggest that maybe some of the very vocal pro-dwarf people on on social media may be a little bit overrepresented. I I don't know, Um, but I I do think it would be a mistake for them to completely cut out um, the dwarven protagonist potential.
3: I don't think that they will cut any choice. Um, mainly because the amount of backlash that Dragon Age 2 got by only being able to play as a human, people were very, very upset about that. And so I think even though the Dwarf is very underrepresented, I think there will be some people who are very upset if there is not an option to play as a Dwarf.
2: I agree with that. I do. So let's move into a couple of Morrigan-centric choices. Again, this is um, from Origins and Inquisition, but that's just kind of how the important decisions shake out. I don't feel like there's a ton of really important decisions in DA2, but we will talk about DA2 if you're sitting here like, why are you guys not? We will. Just wait. So the first one is about the dark ritual. Did you complete the dark ritual with Morrigan? I can say for all three of us, we were pretty surprised uh, by, by this one, I think. So, yes, via Alistair or Logan got 62.9% of the vote. And then yes, with your warden, got 29%. And then no, I did not do the dark ritual, was 8.1%. So, Cloudy, what are your thoughts on this one? That is crazy because if you add that together it's
0: like 92 percent ish that's that's so many people i've never seen other than like rex and the genophage from mass effect 3 it's i've never seen one this concise it's just like it's conclusive it's just like it's really impressive and if bioware did really want to canonize it i feel like they could because from the people i've talked to i know one person ever who doesn't do the dark ritual and doesn't know about kieran so I think it'd be easier because that's just too many branching paths I think yeah. it's just too much to write in especially when it's this small of a, like a percentage of people
2: mm-hmm. yeah eight percent is is not very many um and I think so here are my reflections on this Kieran can exist without doing the ritual if the hero of Ferelden romances and sleeps with Morrigan prior to um, obviously killing the archdemon when she leaves. So if you do this, he's born as just a normal kid and he does not have the soul of the old God. So I'm curious how many of the 8% who did not do the dark ritual still have Kieran in their world state because they romanced Morgan? And I think that,
3: because we are doing this as your canon playthrough, this goes back to you know the amount of percent that did the human noble origin and to get the good ending in the human noble origin you have to do the dark ritual whether you do it yourself and marry a Nora or you do it via Alistair or Logan, and then marry Alistair but it's like hey I love you go have sex with this other lady and just, second just... live.
2: Side note here, I know we talked about this in our Ferelden episode, I think, but when you are a female hero of Ferelden and you go to Alistair and ask him to do the dark ritual, his face and what he says is so funny it's just like he's like yelling out what and then like they bold the text at the top and then like the whole screen just shakes it is so funny like if you have not seen it you need to go look it up on YouTube
3: but yeah I do think that that the amount of people that do the human noble I think affects the results of this question
2: I agree with that I also think when you die, you just die. That's the end. And then there are all kinds of different options for if you live, like you can rule, you can be a mistress. You can just go and be the warden commander. Like you could just do other things. Whereas if you die, you die and that's it. So I get it. I get why people want to do the dark ritual. And it's also presented as like, it almost feels like you don't have a choice. Like you do obviously, but it feels like, why wouldn't you do this? Okay, so are we ready to talk about the Well of Sorrows? So who did you have drink from the Well of Sorrows? 53.6% of people had Morrigan drink from the well and 46.4% had the Inquisitor drink from the well. I very much was expecting it to be like 50-50 or very close to 50-50. So I'm not super surprised by the breakdown of this um, just on its surface. I am very intrigued though, and Cloudy will get into this, um, of the racial breakdown of the responses. So um, why don't you take it over, Cloudy?
0: Yeah, um, I'm always surprised that Morgan and the Inquisitor are so split because of the ramifications. If this is your canon playthrough, for most people I'm assuming, it's not gonna be your first playthrough necessarily knowing what I know with the with all and all of that. And I'm like, I'm not taking that responsibility. I don't want that for my poor Inquisitor. So I always give it to Morrigan because one, she wants to do it. And two, uh, like, the, I don't like that implication. So one thing I was curious by is like, who are these people that have the Inquisitor versus Morgan drink? So I broke it down by uh, the Inquisitor's race, which is really interesting. So for humans, dwarves, and Cunari, they almost came out to exactly the same percentage. It was... 70.7% uh, chose to have Morrigan drink from the well. So then I wondered what were the elves doing? 40.8% chose Morgan to drink from the well. So 60% of you would rather drink from the well than let Morgan have it if you were an elf. And I wondered what was going on behind it. I think it comes down to Morgan's like elf splaining to you in the temple. And they're just like, this is my people's knowledge. I'm not giving this to you.
2: Mm. I do agree with that, but I think the thing that is interesting and surprising to me is I agree with you that most people, probably their canon is not their first playthrough. So if you know Morgan's story from Origins why do you want to bind her to the spirit of her abusive mother for all eternity is my question. Like it, it sucks on, on either side of the situation. Um, I always feel terrible, terrible for Morgan. Um, and I don't want to put her in that situation, especially if Kieran is, is in existence. So I do usually pick my inquisitor for that reason. Um, but, yeah it's a really it's probably the hardest decision in the game I think
3: I really think this decision really comes down to are you a player who uses background knowledge to make the decisions or are you a player who role plays on what your actual inquisitor would do and so I think Players who tend to use outside knowledge or use their experience of the game as a player, I think are more likely to pick Morrigan because we know Morrigan. We trust Morrigan. But but an Inquisitor, really, from a story perspective, has no reason to trust Morrigan at all. She comes in very shady. Liliana is wary of her. And there's just a lot going on there. And so, especially if you're a Dalish elf, your whole goal is a reclaiming or rediscovering of your history. And here is like the mother load. Why would you give this to someone who is not an elf? Most are, if you're a practicing Dalish elf, it belongs to you. That's your mindset. So I think it really depends on how you're playing these games and then whether or not you're using, like Shelby said, kind of the extra knowing what happens in there, your canon. I think that I tend to align with Shelby in that I make my Inquisitor drink from the well for the most part. And there's one instance in when I don't, and we'll talk about that later in the episode.
2: I have no idea to what you could be referring.
0: I was about to say, I always have Morgan drink
2: for that implication. So let's talk about DA2 for a little bit. I promised we'd get here. Um, So first, let's talk about the lyrium idol. So did you give the red lyrium idol to Varick? 42.6% of people said yes. And 57.4% of people said no. So I know, Austin, I know you had a lot of thoughts on this one.
3: Knowing what we know about red lyrium, we think this would be very, very skewed. In the know, and that there wouldn't be a high percentage of people who, yeah, let's keep this demon-possessing evil rock thing that haunts and causes all kinds of trouble. But I really think this dependent on this decision is heavily dependent on whether or not you left Bartran alive or not. And I think that if you have left Bartran alive. I think you are more likely to give Farrakh the piece of the red lyrium idol because you want to give him as much hope to cure his brother as possible. Now, if you're playing a, you know, combative hawk, an aggressive hawk, odds are you've killed Bartran. And even if you didn't, you'd be like, no, screw that guy. Like, let's destroy this thing. But... I really think that it, that the choice on whether or not to kill Bartram is linked to this question. And so it's not as cut and dry when you add in that factor of it can be used to help studied and help Bartram. And that's what Barrett does. He sends it basically to the smartest person he knows and tries to figure out how to help with Bartram.
2: I don't disagree with anything um, that you've said. I think that makes total sense. I don't give it to him
0: and I kill his brother because it's just like, you already lost your brother. I can't lose Varric. Like, right. like it, have you, it has skulls all over it. Like, why would you touch them? It whispers to his brother, it's going to come for him. Like, mm-hmm. I have to get rid of this thing.
2: I think what's interesting about, and this really has nothing to do with the question, but I think what's interesting about it is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you give it to Varick or not, because it, it's going to come back um, and it plays a role regardless because we see it in winter Nights. So this this doesn't matter. Um, so that's interesting to me. So let's move into what is perhaps the single handed most shocking answer of all of the questions <laughs> in this whole survey. And that is, what did you do with Anders at the end of Dragon Age 2? So 68.1% of people spared him. 25.1% killed him. And then the rest, Rage, killed him. We were all very shocked that the spared him was so high. I couldn't believe it. I thought it would be much closer to a 50-50 split.
3: Also, um I put in Rage Killed him as a joke, and I'm a hundred percent glad that it did not get <laughs> removed before posting.
0: You're welcome. I really thought since I thought since you put rage kill in there, you were so sure that people like joined in your vitriol of Anders that so many more people would rage kill him, but it seems a lot more people are compassionate I'm- about Anders.
3: So like 6% of people rage killed him.
0: Yeah. And so when I did it, I killed him. I didn't rage kill him. I killed him. Uh, but when I talked to people, they said that they spared him. And I got a lot of reasons why one, people were romantic him Two, They didn't want to kill the best healer in the game right before really hard battles or three, they felt wrong judging their friend or slash criminal whatever you want to call him they didn't feel that they were in that place to be able to do that in that moment so i can see why it's so high i was just really caught off guard by this
3: and like this is a point that was brought up to me by someone in the discord and i do kind of go on this like what authority does hawk have to judge a criminal like he is just champion it is an honorary title that just like it doesn't come with any actual authority other than like political influence. He has no right to legally kill Anders or judge him for the crime that he did.
2: So I actually disagree with y'all on this one. I, I, think, I think that Hawk is the person who should be judging Anders because Anders is part of their group. If I was Hawk, I would feel responsibility to deal with him because the Viscount is dead. There's no one ruling, there's no one ruling Kirkwall. The The de facto ruler currently is a person who's gone off the literal deep end of red lyrium addiction and is now trying to commit a genocide, Meredith. So, oh, and as we know, Orsino will, in a minute, turn into a scary monster. So there's not really anyone left in a position of power who can deal with Anders. So I always, I feel, I don't feel bad judging him. I don't feel like it's wrong to judge him. Um, In fact, I feel a responsibility to judge him. So I don't, I don't ever think twice about that. Um, I I have had playthroughs where I've spared him and I have others where I have killed him. Um, So Those are my thoughts on that. I definitely, definitely see the, you don't want to kill the healer and you want to spare him because of your romance. I definitely see both of those arguments.
3: I also say that I re-killed him in a recent playthrough and attempting to do the Mark of Assassin DLC without a healer is almost impossible. And here's the fun fact. I'm not a mage hawk, so I can't spec my hawk into a healer. You don't get access to Bethany. Meryl doesn't even have the healing tree in her abilities. Like, you can't even choose it. So, if you kill Anders in that situation, you have no healer.
2: Um, Cloudy, did you have something else you wanted to add? Yeah, so, I want to see like, who people who spare him are. Like I said, uh, of
0: the romance skew, it's only 32% of people are romancing him and sparing him. So, like, it it doesn't really contribute much to why this is so high. I think it it didn't even like change based on if you're a d- diplomatic versus sarcastic. It just seems like people really just want to spare their friend or have a really good healer. Um, so for diplomatic and sarcastic, the percentages were like nearly identical to this. It was 68 for both as well. The only one that obviously gets crazy is Combat Epoch, who likes to be a problem child. Uh, and there you go 11% rage kill him. And 50% in total
2: just kill him. So there's your combative hawk. Yeah, uh-huh. that, that tracks for me. That's very much like um, the shepherd that is mean. I don't remember the term for it. Renegade? Yes. No, no. The origin that goes with that.
3: Oh, Ruthless.
2: Yes. Thank you. The Ruthless Shepherd.
3: Um, I think that... I think it also comes down to that people for the most part, when you play a video game, you do not like want to lose party members. Like that is something that you generally, generally as a general rule, you try to avoid. And so I think that a lot of people would spare him. I would argue killing him is the better choice
1: for the world. Because Kirkwall
3: needs a break. And if you kill him, if you don't kill him, Kirkwall does not get its break. Because Sebastian turns around and goes and takes over Stark, gets his rightful rule of Starkhaven and basically pushes his own exalted march against the city. So.
2: Insert, he does this in search of Anders. He doesn't just do it because he hates Kirkwall. No, he He wants to find Anders and kill him. Yeah. And
3: And so, but I get not wanting to kill him and I get the redemption arc and i do think that there is something to be said that like he needs to live to atone for his crimes
2: so in origins who did you romance 45.2 percent chose to romance alistair 19.3 percent which is the next highest chose zevran 18.3% chose Morgan, 15.1% chose Liliana, and then a very small uh, percent chose no one. So Alistair is far and away the lead on this one with 45% of the vote. Interestingly, this is something I noticed, all the other romances combined are 52.7%. So Alistair's romance, the people who romanced Alistair are only seven points behind all three other romances combined. That's really significant to me.
3: I think you're right. And I think that there is something to be said about people want to be king or queen or whatever, want to be queen.
2: Um, But I'll add, I was fairly surprised that Zevrin was ahead in the other three behind Alistair. I totally expected Alistair to have um, a big chunk. And I think I probably would have even said he would be closer to 50% or more than 50%. But Zevrin being the highest of Zevrin, Morgan and Liliana very much surprised me. I totally would have expected it to be Morrigan just based on the way that people very much love her. And also I feel like, I feel like Morrigan is the stereotypical gamer romance. Like that's who the stereotypical gamers would go after. I don't know if that's an accurate uh, depiction, but that's what it feels like in my brain, so.
0: Well, you're also getting kind of like a, like a bias. It's it's kind of like the Yara from Mass Effect bias because Zebron's romanceable by male and female characters. So you're getting a little bit of a bump there because like I would have loved to romance Morgan, but I was a female character. So I couldn't.
2: Yes, I I, I very much agree. Very much agree. Morgan is not straight. Um, I don't care what Bioware says. Morgan is not straight. But I wonder what the responses would have been like if Morgan was romanceable by either of the genders available in Origins. Um, I feel like she might have been high, probably would have been higher than Severin.
3: I also would say it's like a trend in this. There is a high trend of male gamers who play as female, um, whether that's for gross reasons or other reasons, I don't know, but. So that might also affect you if they get in there and they realize, okay, I've got the elf or the guy who's going to be king. Well, if you're power gaming and metagaming for the best ending, you're going to go with the person you can be with who's king.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to DA2 for a little bit. So who did you romance in Dragon Age 2? There are lots of options here. 42.9%. I was shocked by this. 42.9% of you romanced Fenris. 23.6% of you romanced Anders. 12.1% of you romanced Meryl. 18% romanced Isabella. 2.2% of you romanced nobody and 1.3% of you romanced Sebastian. Now, what I'm laughing at is that you you all, you all of our listeners would rather romance no one than romance Sebastian.
3: (laughs) He is just vanilla.
2: Yeah. I mean, also he's a DLC character, so not everyone has access to him. So I totally get that. But I will be honest here. I thought that the nobody percentage would be higher. Maybe that's a hot take, but I just feel like all of the romances in DA2 and Hawk, they are all so emotionally unstable. Like, I don't know. I feel like if there was one of the three characters who is going to like need to be single and like figure out themselves first. It's Hawk. That's just my take on it.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised mainly because like Bioware was one of the first games that allowed for romances to happen in their games. Like they're one of the first companies to do it with KOTOR. I'm sure they're not the first, but they're the first one I played with playing KOTOR and so I think people come into Bioware games now expecting to have a romance. Like, I'll be honest, if I like opened up a Dragon Age or Mass Effect game and I didn't have the option to romance anyone, I'd be like, "Was this made by
1: Bioware?" Um, but,
3: and so I think that's probably why nobody is low because people are like, "Well, it's a Bioware game. I want romance. It's part of the experience." Yeah, I am happy that Fenris is so high because I'm in that majority. Um, But I do think that this very much shows that DA2 has a very large LGBTQ plus audience. And because at least in my experience on social media, the three highest um, romances, so Isabella, Anders, and Fenris, are almost always depicted to me in the media, as same gendered romances, and I think that, and I think that the way the dialogue plays out and the voice acting plays out, they are better romances when they are in a same sex situation. Um, mainly because I think that Anders and a FemHawk, hawk, it makes. I did it recently as a fem hawk, and I did not zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Um, just because it just made me feel because he's clingy and I don't like that. And similar to that, um, with Fenris a little bit, I think just because of our situation, that Fenris can come off as a little too aggressive with a fem hawk a little bit. Um, and there are other implications about that. And Izzy obviously prefers women over men, even though she is truly the true bisexual romance and not player sexual.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I side note, I also I romanced Isabella my for my canon playthrough of DA2. So I think I think that is especially true what you're saying, Austin, for Isabella and Anders. I think it can go back and forth for Fenris. Um, But I think for Isabella and Anders both when they are in a same-sex relationship with Hawk, there are both parts of their relationship that they only tell the same-sex Hawk. Like, I don't remember all of it for Isabella, but Anders does not tell a female Hawk about his relationship with Carl. He just doesn't do it. Um, And so I think that's really, really interesting that that dynamic exists and to me it suggests that Bioware intended for Anders and Isabella to be romanced by the same gender.
0: See the Anders thing I always assumed they put that in there to make it abundantly clear to female playing hawks that you can romance him. I always assumed they just left that dialogue out to be like no you can romance him like because mm-hmm. it's an older game they just needed to like get to the point it was kind of rushed
2: that was mm-hmm. my assumption. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it really rubs me the wrong way that it's not in the female hog. Um, so I don't know.
0: That, well, no, it ages like milk.
2: Like, it, it's not good. Yeah.
0: And
3: it doesn't, like, to me, it comes across as, like, you don't get the full picture of Anders' emotional state then because you don't know that he's grieving a former lover when you first are introduced to him and meet him and that that is a huge dynamic shift from what would you would think is just like an acquaintance or a
2: friend no you're absolutely right absolutely right so for inquisition who did you romance 28.3% of you romanced soulless 24.7% of you romanced cullen of you romanced Dorian, 9.5% of you romanced Josephine, 8.9% of you romanced Cassandra, 5% of you romanced Iron Bull, 4.3% of you romanced Sarah, 3.1% of you romanced Blackwall, and 0.6% of you romanced Scout Harding.
3: It's still like, there is still like a majority person romanced in Inquisition, but it's not as big as it was in the other games. And I think that's probably because there are more options so that people like are going more different ways. So the percentage you're going to be the majority at is less than it was.
0: I will say, I'm not surprised. So this is number one. I'm honestly surprised it's not higher because of the vocal fan base on uh everywhere tumblr twitter doesn't matter lots of art created by that group good for them
2: yes no i agree i was also surprised Solus, he did not have a clear majority um it was very close between him and cullen only four points of difference between them and so the interesting thing i wanted to note with that is that between cullen and solace if you combine cullen and solace they constitute over half of the romances in Inquisition. They're about 53 point, uh, 53%. So that was interesting, very interesting to me. Nobody else even has a 20% romance. Nobody else even has over 15% um, in the romance either. Another thing that's interesting to me is that. Inquisition has the lowest rate of nobody. You didn't romance anyone. Um, Origins is 2.1%. DA2 is 2.2%. And then DAI, it drops down to 1.6%.
3: That is interesting. I do think this comes down to a more of like getting what you might constitute a good ending. And obviously like Solus has the most kind of development when it comes to Trespasser. I wouldn't call it a good ending. Um, I would say it's a good ending in that it's a good setup and it's a lot of drama and it's a lot of character development. So, But it's not a good ending. But Colin and the Inquisitor do have a good ending. And there are other romances that do have good endings. Um, If you spare Blackwall, you obviously get to stay together, you and Sarah. Colin's not the only one who you get to marry. You and Sarah can stay together. Dorian is kind of ambiguous though the epilogue says that they do go back to tevinter
2: okay here's my thing i know that solas is a great romance i know that he has this like allure about him however we've got to branch out (laughs) but beyond the basic white boys of solas and cullen and like i'm also the problem because my canon is a cullen romancer but like it's a shame It is a shame that Dorian and Cass are so low in this. Like, it is a shame.
0: I mean, shout out to Dorian. He is third, which I was like, I'm surprised by that. But I'm also really happy because my male inquisitor Romance
2: yeah, story. I do. I love Dorian's romance. And I think he should be higher too. I think Dorian and Cass should both be, be higher. I was intrigued though, that Iron Bull is only 5%. I wonder what the question would be like if we had asked, did you ride the bull and romance someone else? Because you can do that.
3: I mean, we could also have added, did you sleep with Isabella? Mainly because I would be curious about that because sleeping with Isabella is a almost guaranteed way to ensure that she does come back in the end.
2: I know a lot of people dislike Blackwall. He's the lowest fool romance on here. I just feel like Blackwall needs a little bit of defense here. I understand. I understand that he lies to you. But so does Soulless, and he's number one. So I feel like if you are a soulless mancer, you don't have a right to complain about Blackwall lying to you about his identity. Like, that's just the most hypocritical thing I can imagine. So I feel like Blackwell needs a little bit of defense here. He's not the best character. He's a little bit basic. He says, Milady too much. Yes, but his redemption arc, especially with a romance, is really beautiful. Um, and I, I think that there is, there is really something to say about a person who wants to atone for their actions. Um, and that's what Blackwell wants. That's his main motivating factor. So for me, I feel like blackwall deserves more than 3.1 percent um that's just me in my opinion though i felt like that needed to be said
3: (laughs) i have one beef with blackwall go ahead and it's that after his romance scene is the scene that he leaves and the inquisitor wakes up and is just full you know full body naked not covered just sleeping on a barn floor
2: no, they're not in the floor. They're up on the top. I refer to it as tits out in the stable. <laughs> tits
3: out in the stable. Um, and bro, you couldn't have like, I know you're leaving for some dramatic thing, but you couldn't have like thrown a blanket on there. Like you would have had to have been cold, but you'll get, the war is going to be over because Blackwall gave the Inquisitor hypothermia.
0: So true. <laughs> Also, for my defense, I was about to say I wasn't interested in Blackwall because he's too old. But then I just started laughing because I really so He does
3: look old, but I don't think he's actually that old. We all know Bioware doesn't do a great way of, like, projecting ages. I mean, for God's sake, Shepard is, like, 27 and Male Shep looks like he's 50.
2: That's true. I do think Blackwall and Cass are supposed to be around the same age, which is around, like, late 30s to early 40s. But also... Solus is ancient. What does age have to do with anything? Um, so let's move into our mid-break now.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. I stopped you to tell you that I'm an idiot. Whew, thank the maker you know already. Now I can stop worrying, I'll be found out. Do try to have fun, dear. You could have been one of the Chargers, Blackwall. You've got the stature, the attitude, and you'd be my boss. Hey, I'm a great boss. I'm a firm believer in No Pants Fridays. I'd rather fight for a cause. Hey, No Pants Fridays is a cause.
3: All right, well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything that does not have to do with this with the lore of this podcast. And so this is where we thank our patrons. Thank you to all of our patrons, specifically our first patrons, Lisa M, Genesis, and Derek B. And also a very, very special thank you to the Nug King, Lewis H. If you wanna join our Patreon, you can find that link in the episode description. There are lots of tiers you can join there and it is a lot of fun and we greatly appreciate your support. Another great way to support us is by leaving us ratings and reviews. And we do have a review to read today. Shelby, do you want to read it?
2: I sure will. So this one is from AMRL13, and they said, love it, five stars. I'm only at the end of season one, but I'm obsessed with this podcast. I'm starting my next playthrough of all the games in order to get ready for Dreadwolf, and I decided to start this as well, and I'm glad I did. I definitely consider myself a super fan, and I'm still learning so much. P.S. Austin and Shelby, do you want to be friends? Ha ha. Thank you so much for that review, AMRL. Um, If you have Already joined the discord, discord definitely come over there and hang out with us. And we will definitely be your friend if you hop in the discord.
3: I believe they are in the discord. I saw their That's username awesome. the other day. So, yeah, but speaking of that, join the discord. It is a wonderful place to hang out. And you can find that link at the episode description. You can come, and that is where you find out about this podcast and all our other podcasts. If you want the news about it, it comes to that place first. And so the other important thing is that we are doing a giveaway for today, Dragon Age Day. Um, and so there's an important giveaway. We're, we're running on Dragon Age Day today only. We're giving away a Nug, Mabari, and Varric plushie, a Solus Candle, a Herald's Rest bottle opener, and the coasters. Check Twitter and Discord for more information. The twi- or The tweet should be pinned there. And... Well, it should be prominently displayed on Discord at well, so it should be easy to find, lots of options to enter the giveaway. But for Dragon Day, lots of fun. And that's all I got.
2: All right, let's get back to it.:
0: Beg
3: that I succeed. For
1: I have seen the throne of the gods, and it was empty. Your glibness does you no credit
2: you fear barbarians will swoop down upon you yes swooping is bad okay so let's talk about the next few questions which have ramifications on dad or dragon age Dreadwolf. if you haven't heard that is the next game so who did you make the next divine and this one is very interesting to me so 67.7% of people ended up with Liliana as divine, 24.4% ended up with Cassandra and 7.9% chose Vivian. Now, I think I was very surprised by this. I thought Vivian I expected to be much lower. I thought she'd be closer to 2 to 3% and I expected Cass and Liliana to have like maybe like a 40 35 split or something like that to where they were much closer. Um but this is a pretty big more than triple percent um lead that Liliana has over over Cassandra. So I was pretty surprised by this one.
3: We did do a whole patron episode on this. So if you want more about the discussion on who is the best divine, you can go over there. But I do think that the dynamic of elvish people affects your choice of divine because Liliana does do the most for elves and I also think that Vivian obviously gets her own little bit of hate because of how she presents herself when you first meet her and then Cass obviously people are very tend to be anti-chantry and liliana does do the most to change the chantry from what it is and so i'm not surprised for me at least i'm not surprised that she won out on top even though i do disagree with her being the best choice for divine but
2: what do you think cloudy i'm surprised Cass
0: is so low like i thought she just seemed like the most logical choice um Granted, I've only played Origins once, and it was like a while ago, so I don't really remember too much from it, but I just prefer Cassandra over Liliana. That's just a preference thing, um, and that's my bias.
2: Well, me too, but everyone knows that. Um, I think the thing that, uh, for me, this is my thing. Um, And this may be a hot take, but I don't find Liliana particularly religious in Inquisition. She obviously is during Origins, um, like her finding the Chantry is part of her whole story that led her to be in Lothring. Like she is a sister in the Chantry in Origins. But at the same time, even in Origins, Liliana is a person who's like, I had a vision of the maker. The maker spoke to me this is how we need to change the Chantry. And she's very much viewed as like heretical even then, because in the lore, the maker doesn't speak to people. And Draste speaks for the maker to people. So even then, Liliana is a person who's like, we should change the Chantry in, in, in these ways. So I don't find her to be particularly religious um, by the time of Inquisition rolls around because she starts out hardened and because, you know, if you talk to her, she has all of these crises of faith and and Cassandra does too, but Cassandra ends up, I feel in a very different place in, than Liliana. She ends up more in a place of. I don't need to understand exactly how all of these things work out to the letter, but I still have faith and that's okay. Whereas Liliana ends up in a place more like these things don't make logical sense to me. None of it can be true anymore. And I feel like those are very different places to end up. And so to me, it feels like Liliana is no longer actually believing in the religion of the chantry. So for me, I think the leader of a religious organization should be someone who still has faith in that religion. So to me, my choice is always Cassandra because she is the only one of the three who have an actual real faith in the religion of the Chantry. And I know that might be a hot take, but I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that.
2: Another thing is that I thought, I thought Vivian would be lower. Um, I, I know a lot of people just tend to have an intense dislike of Vivian, which we covered on our Vivian episode. And if you want to know more, definitely go listen to that episode. It's one of the ones I'm most proud of. Um, but Vivian is interesting because she is a mage and she does still change the Chantry, even if it's not quite as drastic as we want it to be. Her existence as a mage divine is radical in and of itself, just by nature of who she is. Okay. So let's move on to trespasser a little bit. These are some big ones. So at the end of the trespasser DLC, what was the last thing your inquisitor said to Solas? So, The first option is, I'm going to redeem you. I won't give up on you. And the Inquisition will try to convince Solace to change his plan, which we refer to as redeeming Solace. That was 68.1% of the vote. The other option, I can't let you do this. The Inquisition will stop Solas, even if it means killing him, got 29.6% of the vote. And then the last option is if you weren't given a choice. And that's a pretty small amount of the respondents. So 68% of people want to redeem Solas. Is this surprising to y'all? Why or why not?
3: It's not really that surprising to me, mainly because of the amount of people that romance Solace and want that. But I also think, I don't remember, Cloudy, you could probably share out, but like, what was the Paragon renegade breakdown for Mass Effect?
0: Oh, it was like, uh, so Paragon. Like people love playing the good guy. Like if you want a true renegade, I think it was like 2% of people.
3: Right. And so I think this just trans out is that people want to be the good guy. And, you know, this is also just true in storytelling. Like occasionally we do enjoy like a tragedy or something where the good guys don't win in the end. But for the most part, when we experience storytelling, we expect and we desire to have like, okay, the good guys might not like outright win, but some kind of closure and happy ending to that. And so I think that's probably where it comes in is like most people play a good aligned character or a um you know, Paragon character, or like, you know, in D&D, the most, actually the most played um, alignment in D&D is chaotic neutral, but I would argue that people play chaotic neutral as chaotic good, but that's kind of where I get with that, is that they really want.
2: Cloudy, did you have thoughts on
0: this one? This one, I'm not really surprised so many people wanted to redeem him, because I listened to the interview with uh, Patrick Weeks from another podcast where he talks about Solas. And it's like a couple of the hosts were saying like he was my buddy, he was my best friend, he was my mage. And then he took all of my good mage gear and he just left me brokenhearted. And it's like, even if you weren't romancing him, people really liked Solas for some reason and just like enjoyed him as a character. So like it's kind of like Anders. It's like almost the same percent, 68% don't want to kill their friend. What a funny coincidence. So I think it really shows like how well-rounded and well-written he is as a character and just like how hard it is to see somebody you really care about do things that you're not particularly fond of. Yeah. So for this, I also broke this down by Inquisitor's race. Um, so for the people who were not elves, kunari, dwarves, or humans, 52.9% chose to redeem him, and 43.8% chose to kill him, which is very even. That is surprising because like we just said the percent that wanted to kill him is or save him is 68.1% for everybody so that means somebody's throwing off the average which means the elves are really skewed here so I pulled them out specifically to see what percent would redeem and save him uh 79.7% are choosing to redeem him if you are an elf which is really high that is so surprising that is crazy I don't know what do you guys think
2: I also think it's surprising um, because I feel like there is a big divide in the elf community. Because, like, you can either love or hate Solace. Like, there's no middle ground, I feel like, for an elf. Um, Because, on one side, if you're Dalish, he's taking away a lot of your culture, or at least putting it in a new light that you didn't fully understand your own culture. And that can be kind of humiliating, I feel like, to an extent. So, it's almost like, would be easier to reject him and everything that he says. Um, and then at the same time, you know, he, he wants to overturn the whole world and give you freedom and, um, end all of the oppression that's been happening. So I think, I feel like I would have expected elves to be very divided. Um, But at the same time, I still wonder how much of this is based on the romance or affected by the romance. Because if I was romancing someone, I would want to redeem them, even if they've done horrible things, you know, um, or want to do horrible things. I, I just feel like, and especially since we know that the soulless romance is the number one romance in Inquisition, i I feel like that's playing a factor here in the 80%, especially since only elves can romance him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I also think, you know, and like you
3: said, I think there are a lot of elves that could view soulless as a means, like a Dalish elf would want to redeem him so that he can come back and teach the Dalish. What it means to be elven, like again, like that's the Dalish's ultimate goal is to preserve and rebuild the elvish cult, the elven culture, and so I think that would come into factor.
2: Another thing I think is interesting is that overall, it's it's a two-thirds, one-third split, right? And then if you take out the elves, it changes to a half and half split, and then the elves alone are eighty percent redeem. So it's interesting to me that. It is so half and half between the kunari, dwarf, and human. I would be more interested to see um if it was broken down like the kunari, the dwarf, the like what their individual ones were, especially with some of his comments um toward the kunari. I feel like he's most vitriolic toward them. I wonder if that's lower. I did check that
0: oh. humans and kunari are exactly the same. The one. I really did not like him were the dwarves. They Interesting. hated him. They wanted I think he had majority choose to kill him. But we have to remember the sample size for the dwarves is much, much smaller. So there is an inherent bias there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they were the only ones that actively wanted to kill him.
2: That's really funny to me. I feel like he's ruder to Canari than he is to dwarves, but he is still like, he refers to them as child of the stone a lot. Uh, and I do feel like that's pretty condescending. Um, so that, that also tracks to me. Um, do we have other thoughts on redeeming solace before we move on to the next? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next trespasser question and the last trespasser question is, did you disband the inquisition? Uh, 63.4% of you disbanded the Inquisition, while 36.6% did not. I, I was pretty surprised on this one. I guess I'm in the minority. I like refuse, adamantly refuse to disband the Inquisition because it makes me so mad. Like, okay, I have saved the world. I have killed Corypheus. I have thwarted a potential blight, they think. I have saved orlay from ruin. I have done all these things for the world and you're mad at me instead of thanking me. And now you're going to tell me to get rid of my organization. Absolutely not. That's the final straw for me. So I refuse to disband the inquisition in my playthroughs. Um, So I guess I'm in the minority on this one.
3: I wonder how much of this is, we might need to do this question again and reword it, And reword it to, is the Inquisition gone or under the divine? Because technically, technically from a lore perspective, no matter what you choose in the end of Trespasser, the Inquisition that you had in game is no longer in function. Like you abandon Skyhold, you're no longer moving around, you're an arm of divine. So I wonder how much of this would be changed by rewording the question just a little bit.
0: That's funny because I like to disband them because it says they're smaller but less likely to be corrupted. And I feel like with all of the advice Solas gives to Sarah about her organization, that would be what he his group would be most susceptible to. Mm. Like he would he like he likes to play his like mental chess games of like seeing people on the battlefield and that, but it'd be much harder to catch a smaller group like breaking into your own organization which he does all the time he spies everywhere apparently so i think that'd be an easier way to combat him
2: that's a that's a really good point so let's talk about some of the extra stuff we had thoughts about with the romances so for soulless um he is the number one choice for romancing 28.3 percent romance him um but cloudy had some thoughts (laughs) here on the soulless mancers and some of the other choices we can make in game. So I'm going to turn it over to her. Okay. So
0: we already kind of covered redeeming him versus not. Uh I was curious what percent were angry enough at him after having romanced him that they would not want to redeem him in the next game. It's only 4.1%, which I'm not condoning this. Uh I'm surprised that's so low because he really does betray you in multiple ways and breaks your heart and takes your arm. So I'm surprised it's only 4.1%. I could see a lot of resentment there. I don't know. That might
2: just be me. No, I totally agree. I thought that that would have been a little bit higher too. But I think for me, a thing that I've been thinking about since we released the survey is like in the game, yes, it presents you these two options. But I feel like for me, at least I will, will redeem Solus as much as I can, um, but I'm not also not opposed to killing him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like th- this one at least is a little bit more ambiguous um, because we don't know yet what DAD is going to be like.
0: Right. And we also don't know if this choice is going to change the framing of how the game starts of like, you are planning to kill him versus like, you are planning to redeem him. Right. So I think a lot of people like to keep their options open. Like you said, like, I'm going to try to help him, but if it comes down to it, it this may happen.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So going back to the well of sorrows, as we talked about, so it was almost pretty much 50, 50 there, but I wanted to see for those of you who chose to romance Solus, did you drink from the well or not? And so, from the people who romance solace, and then do they drink from the well? 62.15% of you choose to drink from the well and romance solace, which with the mythal um, connotation is very, very concerning. If he, I don't know what he does with the soul of mythal, but I don't like that. I don't know. That's, that's really bad.
3: All right. Um, I, the, um... Person in me, I like to believe that those people made that decision without the knowledge of what would happen. I think that we really don't know if Solus is going to be considered Mythall and then have power over the Inquisitor. We don't know if that's actually going to interact. But at the same time, it is kind of like
1: weird. It it would be a really
3: hard decision for me. Who drinks from the well of sorrows? Um, I made a joke earlier in one of our conversations about, I wish I could force solace to drink from the well of sorrows.
2: I also, you know, I wonder what it would be like if anyone could drink from the well, like if you could ask your party member to drink instead of you, um, And then I said, I would, I would like to see the scene where you have to force Sarah to drink from the well, um, just because I want to see her reaction, but that's really, really, really mean and terrible to her. So I don't actually want to do it. Um, but anyway, another thing that I was thinking about is, I guess I just want to know the breakdown of these people, like the 62.5% of you who romance solace and drink from the well, like. What's the percentage of you, you people who want to redeem him versus kill him? And what's the percentage of people who, because there's a lot of options you can have with the soulless romance too. Like, were you upset that he broke up with you? Did you want to break up with him or break up with him when he decided to take your vaseline? Like all of those options. What, um, what were their choices around this? Because to me, it feels like this 62% of people would be even more angry with solace, um, for everything that's happened. I don't know, um, if that's actually accurate, but that's just my opinion on the situation. I would be more upset with Soulless personally. I wanted to ask all these questions. I was like, chill, chill. You cannot have like
0: nine Soulless questions. You need to calm down. Um, just out of curiosity, I did look up people who drank from the well, people who romance solace, and then said, they did not want to uh, redeem him. It's actually a few people. Um, I'd say it's about 1%, it's only 10 people. So it's not a lot, but there there are some of you. There are dozens of you.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's also, we'll have to do another survey after Dreadwolf comes out uh, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm really interested in how the rest of Solus' story will play out. And if a Solus Mance Inquisitor if there are are more options uh, for the romance. So we'll just have to do another one.
3: I think that's a good point because like when we did with this, when you all did this with the Mass Effect lore cast, those games, like the Legendary Edition, that story is complete. Like, I wonder how much the data would change. Like if you put the question, like, did you save Malin's research data? I wonder how much the data would change if you said that before Mass Effect 3 came out like before you knew the ramifications of saving that data and what it would have. These percentages might change given what the events of DAD present to us.
0: Right. And it will be interesting, I think once Dragon Age Day happens today, (laughs) um, it will be interesting if they show gameplay or more informative trailers and those kind of things. So you can ask survey questions from that of like what we have seen, what do you think of this kind of thing? I think those biases will be very interesting as well when
2: they happen. Yeah, I very much agree. Um, but to let's move on a little bit from soulless, let's talk about Cullen. Um, so as we know, 24.9% of us romanced Cullen and you get the happy ending and you get the wedding and you get the dog and you get a white picket fence and it's beautiful, right? But are we just basic? Cloudy has some stats on that. (laughs) So
0: I wondered a lot of people, when they talk about their love interest, they're like, I romance Alistair and then I romance Colin. So I wanted to see what the overlap was. Um, if you romance Alistair and Dragon Age Origins, 45% of you romance Colin and Dragon Age Inquisition, which I guess you do have a type. It's that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like you were saying, we need to branch out, people. We need to open up our minds and our choices.
2: Yeah, it tracks though. Um... I will say I romance Cullen in DAI and did not romance Alistair in DAO for my canon. So there is that, but yeah. Um, I romance Cullen to
0: make it come full circle from Origins because I was an elf Origins and I flirted with Cullen until he disappeared. And I was like, I need to complete the cycle. (laughs) I romance Cullen for that reason alone. And I chose to be an elf for that one to come full circle.
3: I think it's very easy to root for Cullen. And I think that's why he pulls a lot of people, especially since like, it's very easy to root for the person who wants to do better. And he was a very hated character until Inquisition.
2: So let's move on to Alistair for a little bit. We're almost done here, Um, but just a couple more things to talk about. So um. Cloudy, you wanted to talk about some of the way or about uh, the Fade quest. So handing it to you.
0: Yeah. So for the Fade, um, that one was interesting because I was curious of what percent of people wanted to leave Alistair in general. It's not a lot of people. People tend to really love him, even though they tend to. Uh, choose Hawk over Alistair. I'm fine with that. That's totally not mm. uh, it. So I Of the people who leave Alistair, it's not a lot of people, only 5.8%, and I was curious of who are these kind of people. Uh, typically they're not people who romance him. There are some who do romance him in Origins and choose to leave him in the Fade. It's about 3% of you, which is a very interesting choice. I'm wondering if it's you did love Alistair, but you like Hawk a little bit more because you got more attached to him or or them, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. So I found that a little bit interesting that a few people are willing to sacrifice him into the Fade for the, uh, their Hawk.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a lot of thoughts on this, particularly because having Alistair as a warden in my world state. One, I think there is a very small pers- there's a small percent of people who actually do have that world state of Alistair not being king. Well, maybe not. I guess if you're not playing the human noble, you might not want to make him king so you can stay together. Um, But I do think the one time I had that world state and I played through is the only time I've ever left Hawk in the Fade.
2: I mean, I'll be honest though, just looking at this graph, 28% of you left Hawk in the Fade. That is way higher than I thought it would be. That is that is over a quarter. That's almost 30%. I would be can
3: I would be curious to know this statistic, and this is so specific. I would be curious to know this breakdown of people who played Inquisition as their first game. You don't know who this Hawk person is. You just know that he is important to Varric. But I also think that people who have played Origins specifically and two, I think the idea of like, okay, the Wardens are in disarray and they need a leader, that's a big deal. And I think sometimes we downplay that, but the Wardens really are what stands between Thetis and the Blight. And Alistair will probably be the only time I ever do pick Hawk or pick Hawk to stay in the fade. Because I think Alistair is the one who can really bring about change for the Orlesian Wardens because he's a hero of the fifth blight. He is a companion of the hero of Ferelden. Like he will pull a lot of weight where Loghain and Stroud will not.
2: I do agree with that. Um, I do agree with that. And I do think Alistair being a warden is probably the only hope they have um, for being an effective group post inquisition
0: see i leave him in the fate because his calling's got to be soon
2: right i mean we don't, don't... Really know he probably has if he's because he's like 20 ish in origins inquisition is 10 years later so he's 30 ish i mean he probably has anywhere between 10 and 20 more years after that we don't really know for sure because I mean, it's different but and he could break it yeah that too. So let's move on to the last question, um, which I wanted to be 100%, but here we are. Um, so Fenris, what did you do with Fenris? Well, 98.8% of you did not sell him back into slavery. Um, but unfortunately there is that 1.2% of you who did. Um, and I am very disappointed in you. That is all.
1: Um, That's probably as close to
3: 100% that you can get, like, statistically.
2: I don't accept it.
3: Really? Like, there's always going to be the one person who picks that. And I guess, I mean,
1: no. You know who
0: they are. They're the combative hawks. They were all
2: combative. I checked. Yeah, they're all. can, Can we know who they romanced? Yeah, let me pull that up. Because I would put money on it being a red hawk who romanced Anders
3: while you're looking that up, I was going to say, I was trying to like, find some kind of like justification or like explain away. And I, I gave up because people, we should not be giving people back to
1: slavery. Like I, I,
2: and like, I get it just if you want to see what happens, but number one, either save scum, look it up on YouTube or do it in a playthrough. That's not your canon. Uh, I looked
3: it up. just wanted gold? Like, did you just want gold? Like, it's not that hard to get gold in in DA2, I promise. It's really easy to get gold.
2: Okay, so Cloudy has the answer for us on who they romanced, if they did sell him back.
0: It's three people sold him. Uh, Two out of three Anders, one Meryl. Anders says the most atrocious thing when you sell him. I... I saved Scum just to see it, and immediately I was like, eh. like, I, I had to reload the save, and I was like, Anders, I'm gonna kill you. And So what
2: is it he says exactly?
3: Uh, oh. I'm glad I'm not the only one who is thinking it.
2: Yeah. And you obviously get approval with Anders, too, which, ugh, gross. It's like
3: 20 points, too.
2: No, I don't think it's that much. I think it's only, like, 10.
0: No, I think it's, like, 15, I thought. I it was know. the maximum amount, whatever that is. Is it 20? It's, it's the maximum?
3: Uh. I, think, I think 25. If you do Varicks Quest with bartrand you get 25 approval.
2: It's gross. It's just gross. Anyway, to the three of you who sold Fenners back into slavery, I am very disappointed. You can come into the Discord and justify yourself, but um it may not be pretty, just FYI. <laughs> um,
1: I don't have a lot to say about. It. I'm I'm trying to be nice.
2: well um that's the end of all of the major things we wanted to talk about like we said we'll post um the full results on our discord and in twitter probably too so um stay tuned for that and also make sure you play our giveaway. You can get one of the many things we've purchased for y'all and we'll ship them out um, after after today. Um, But before we head out for the day, I do want to give Cloudy a big, 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 big thank you. Thank you so much um, for helping us come up with this survey and doing all the analysis and and all of that. It's super helpful. Um, And also just give Cloudy a chance to give us any final thoughts and tell us where we can find her and and all of those fun things yes uh, thank you so much for having
0: me this is so fun to do this is the biggest survey i've ever run that was outside of work and this is a subject i actually enjoy doing crunching on so this was extremely fun i hope we get to do another one in future um and it was very interesting. I was not expecting most of these answers because like I said, you get kind of an echo chamber on Twitter and Tumblr, so it was nice seeing there are other ways to play. Uh, this is very informative. Uh, if you wanna find me, I am in the Teacup server and uh, I'm pretty much in every server, but I'm was 22 if you wanna say hi. And yeah.
3: Well, thank you for joining us so much. Um, thank you all for listening and don't forget to check Twitter and Discord for the results of the poll. And a special shout out to our Nung King patron, Louis H., who gets a special shout out at the end of every episode. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at
2: DALorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our CUPS podcasting and more Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. You can find us there on patreon.com slash Lorecast.
3: The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description.
2: If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time.